Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Parenting Today. Kurt, you doing all right? I'm good, John. It's good to hear you and see you. Yeah, yeah. And you, you know what? I know we, we talked a little bit before we started recording, but I did not ask you, what's the weather like there? Because it is, I think I saw 46 degrees in Mississippi today. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool here. Like it's it's finally cooled down. It feels like fall, um, just in time for Halloween or Reformation Day, if you're so if you want to do it that way. Um, but just in time, there's uh, it, it feels like there's fall. Yeah, yeah, it was a, a nice nice surprise uh, for sure. Um, Kurt, look, we're gonna go ahead and jump into our fun fact. Uh, For those who are listening, we're going to have a guest with us today, Dr. John Kwasney, to talk about his new book. Uh, So we want to hurry up and get into that content. Uh, Kurt, here's my fun fact. Um, I'll be the judge of whether it's fun or not. (laughs) But here's a fact that you think is fun. I think it's fun. Um, So, well, I'll ask it, phrase it as a question. It's talking about YouTube. Um, how many hours of video are uploaded every minute on YouTube? I know we discussed YouTube a long time ago, so you might remember some of this. How many hours yeah. of video are uploaded every minute on YouTube? How many hours? Okay, so there's a conversion factor here. So hours to minutes, 60. So let me say, uh, ooh, hours, um, 1.2 million. Hmm. All right. That's probably right. way too big. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't figure out. How, I, hold on, let me try again. 10. Okay. I, I don't know. There you go. That's I don't good. Have any, quite, I don't have any range. Quite guess. a range there. Um, three, yeah. 300 hours of video uploaded every minute. And just to, let's uh, see. I, okay. Okay. 300. Yeah. Okay. I so can, look, that's over 49. So I was thinking per day and how to divide it, but there's just too much division there to yeah, do. So. Yeah. You're just too smart for yeah. this question, okay? Um, that's not what it is. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's over 49 years of video per day, all right? If you had a wow. thousand lifetimes doing nothing else, you couldn't take it all in, right? Um, so look. <laughs> Would you want to? <laughs> exactly. That's. Uh, I'm reading this from an article that's entitled YouTube Heaven? Question mark. So YouTube heaven, question mark. And uh, Mark Lowridge, I think is how you pronounce his last name. I actually saw this linked on uh, Tim Challey's website. Uh, but it's an interesting article I tell everyone to, to check out. I mean, there's a lot of breaking down what all is on, on YouTube. But um, he, he says this. He says, but imagine a reality, not video footage, that was mind-blowingly fascinating because he's talking about all the video that's uploaded. Some of it's just a waste of time. Um, But he says, imagine video that's mind-blowingly fascinating, gloriously awesome, that you had a thousand lifetimes and more to endlessly explore. You see, in some ways, YouTube is, albeit unintentionally, a shoddy parody of God, a tawdry secondhand ripoff. He is endlessly fascinating and gloriously awesome, and his nature is incomprehensibly immense. In heaven, Christ's people will get to know him. That is what Jesus has purchased for those who trust in his work at the cross, that we could know his father as he knows him. He himself is so magnificent that we will want a thousand lifetimes just to get to know him. And so he's just contrasting, you know, all of the video images, all of that that's up there and how we cannot even possibly take it all in. But then he's he's getting us to think about eternity one day where we have this endless getting to know our, our glorious uh, creator, savior, redeemer. 
Um, so it's an interesting article just to kind of have some of those facts. So look, that was a fun fact. I got segued into something. I, I have that, a fun fact. All right. Yeah, you, I have you, a fun fact. You got about well. one minute before I'm cutting you off, Kurt. Okay. Well, that's fine. But I don't know if you, again, we're not supposed to date the podcast, so I'm not supposed to bring up things that happen you're gonna do in anyway. time. But I'm going to do it anyway because that's how I think about fun facts. But uh, over Columbus Day weekend, um, uh, the uh, the servers of the most popular video game in the world, Fortnite, went dark. Um, they went. Uh, there was an event on Sunday where they 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 were changing seasons or, you know, starting what they call chapter two and all the servers went dark and there was just a picture of a black hole or that, you know, their version of whatever a black hole looks like on the screen. How many people do you think were just watching that black hole at one time? What's the most amount of people you think were just watching a video? If you loaded up the game, it was just a picture of a black hole. What's the most number of people you think were watching just that black hole at any one time? Was this on Twitch? Is that no, 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 no. Well, tw- Twitch and YouTube, and then in the game client itself, you oh, can wow. watch it. As so well. there were multiple platforms where this was occurring. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. I mean it's it's occurring. <laughs> well, no, it's only occurring in the game, but Twitch just and YouTube broadcast what's happening when people are playing the game. So, hmm. so really, it's only happened one place. It's just broadcast. So how many people do you think were just, it's just a black screen with a black hole or their version of a black hole in the middle. And it was up for hours, but it was the most amount of people that were watching it at any one time. Hmm. Um, let me just say 300 million. 7 million um, people. Uh, three, there, are more, there aren't 300 million people in the United States, but there are 7 million people. But how, um, how many in the world? What is it, like 8 billion? Yeah, but... Um, yeah, so I think these are just U.S. numbers that I was sorry I should have just said in the United oh, States. Okay, that's so, what I was saying. You didn't say United States, right? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. See, I don't know. The I would have gotten it. You messed that up. I think they had like seven million viewers in the United States at one point, which is more yeah. popular than um, almost everything except for the Super Bowl. So okay. um, we're just watching a black screen with a circle on it, waiting for the game to come back. Wow, it's wild. Anyway. That is, that is. Because so, yeah. part, part of my um, guess was uh, from this article of the average number of mobile YouTube video views per day. It's one yeah. billion. Um, yeah. It's a wow. Lot. Anyway, crazy. A lot of people are looking at screens, I think is what we can take away. <laughs> Which that's what, what we're doing right if now. You wanna guess, if you want to guess what someone is doing right now, anyone in the world, a very solid guess would be they're looking at a screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. What is... What is Prince Harry doing right now? He's probably looking at his screen. <laughs> Very true. Okay, look. Hey, yeah. we're, we're going to go ahead and break. And as we come back, Dr. John Quasney will be with us to talk about his book. So, Kurt, let's, uh, let's bring him on in. All right, everybody. We're back. Uh, as I said, Dr. John Quasi is with us. John, how's it going? Great. Great to be here. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. I, I bet John is looking at a screen, too. <laughs> I am. And and I had two boys looking at that Fortnite black hole, too. So there you go. There you go. They were in that figure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, John, um, John and I used to work together. Uh, those who listen to the podcast know that I was on staff at Pear Orchard Presbyterian Church. 
Uh, that's where John is. He serves as the director of discipleship ministries. John, is this year 15 for you? Or... It, it is year 15. Yes. Wow, 15 years. All right. Uh, Hard John, to believe. Yeah. John, John is also the adjunct, uh, adjunct professor at Reformed Theological Seminary. I know you teach in Jackson, but then you've done some also at Charlotte campus. Is that correct? Yep. I uh, sure have. Um, John also podcasts. He has Biblical Counseling Today. Uh, you should check that out. It is in its fifth season, if that's uh, correct. Uh, he also uh, has One Story Ministries, which is curriculum that he's written uh, from early elementary all the way through uh, youth ministry, so all the way through 12th grade. Um, so onestoryministries.org. Yep, is that right? that's so, right. So you got can, it. can check that out. Um, and if that wasn't enough, he's married and he has eight children and one grandchild. Yep. I got three married kids and one grandson. Yeah. That's, that takes up most of my time. <laughs> yeah. All of, all of that. How yes. old is your oldest child and how young is your youngest child? Oh, I should have studied up for a question like that. That wasn't on the list. On, uh, Kurt, the, Kurt. my, my oldest is 27 and my youngest is nine. Okay. And everything yeah. in between. Yeah, his, his youngest is really good friends with Samuel, who we talked about last week on the episode because of your son, Campbell, um, mm -hmm. hanging out. So, uh, yeah, we had a guest on last week. No, 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 I guess that was two weeks ago, Dr. Two Ray, weeks ago, Ray John. Smith, I wish Campbell. you could keep up with this podcast that you're no, in no, charge of. It's, it's hard. It's still early. I'm, I'm sipping on yeah. coffee. Uh, and then last week we talked about our trash on the table uh, episode. And again, I had somebody asking me because they missed some of the early episodes. What is trash on the table? Kurt, why don't you explain it? Because that came from really your church. Yeah. So uh, we have a staff meeting every Monday. Our church has a staff meeting every Monday and uh, we have, we go through our reports. We, we go over the, the Sunday, uh, the previous Sunday and uh, the previous week and, re you know, review everything that happened and then we get the reports and we look forward to what's happening this week and, and this coming Sunday and Wednesday and all of that. And then at the very end of the meeting, um, our executive minister always says, is there anything else? Does anyone have any trash on the table? In other words, is there anything just throwing out there that we need to discuss or might be interesting? Does it have to necessarily be directly related to uh, the church, um, but it's just trash on the table. So, and I'm sure he got that from somewhere, but that's where I got it from. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. All right. So, uh, so yeah, that we had an extended trash on the table last week and we talked about some mm -hmm. cultural things that were, were going on. Uh, you can go back and check that out. But today, uh, John is joining us to talk about, uh, his newest book, uh, pursuing a heart of wisdom subtitle counseling teenagers biblically. Uh, so we're looking forward to discussing that. Also, uh, that was uh, the second book that RYM released in partnership with the publisher Christian Focus Publication. Um, we're also, I did not secure this before we started recording this, but I'm fairly certain we can uh, get some copies to give out to our listeners. Uh, so stay tuned as we discuss that on Thursday of how you can get a copy of this book. And we'll just go ahead and say on the front end, everyone needs to buy this book. I mean, if you're a parent out there listening, if you're a uh, youth worker, uh, any, uh, you know, just getting uh, a copy of this book is going to be very helpful uh, for you. Um, I will say I just saw something pop up at about a mic. Did something mess up? Can y'all both hear me? 
I can hear you still. Okay, good. Uh, we'll just keep that on. But I had a message pop up, so that kind of threw me off a little bit. Um, yeah, I thought you wrote that, John. Sorry. Yeah, it just yeah, it just popped yeah. up. Um, so yeah, we had some technical issues letting people know behind the scenes, uh, getting us all hooked up today. So just to let our listeners know, we go through a lot for you guys. So we hope all the effort, blood, sweat, and tears we put into this uh, is serving you guys and encouraging you guys. Uh, by, by going through a lot, what John means is that uh, the three of us spent time talking into a microphone and the other two spent time not hearing it. So that's <laughs> <laughs> until we figured out how it works. So that's also that's, coming from the guy who doesn't edit the podcast or anything like that. So yeah, um, that's true. That's true. <laughs> John does all the work. I just show up and pretty much carry. I'll just ask the good questions. <laughs> that's a good point. Very good point. <laughs> Um, that is true. And that goes back to William P. Farley episode. I'm sorry, William P. Smith episode. <laughs> Different. Hey, there is a William P. Farley. It's a author, author of the book, uh, gospel powered parenting. Yep. Um, and go. so I, I, I almost called him that several times on that episode. Um, how about we, we start with the title of the book, John? Um, people, you know, it, it can be hard to come up with the title of a book. Uh, and so maybe just some of the background, I know you kind of mentioned this in the introduction as well, um, but just coming up with the title, Pursuing a Heart of, of Wisdom, maybe just kind of explain that a little bit and maybe how you arrived at that that title. Uh, yeah, from, you know, thinking through what this book was about, uh, we wanted to target uh, parents and youth workers with really being good counselors uh, and disciplers of the next generation of, of teenagers specifically. And so you start thinking about teenagers, right? And you start thinking, uh, what do they need the most? Well, they have lots of needs, but, uh, scripturally speaking, you know, you go through Proverbs and other places and you're like, they, they need wisdom. You know, they're, they're moving through a period of time from foolishness, uh, to wisdom, hopefully from immaturity to maturity. And so, you know, kind of just rolling through Proverbs and other places in my mind and flipping through the Bible thinking, okay, let's, what are some good references and, you know, found some, some good context about this idea of, of parents, uh, wanting to have their children pursue a heart of wisdom. And I think that would apply for all of us adults. When we look at the next generation saying, that's what we need. We need, uh, we need wise future adults, right? And we, and you know, that's just not automatic. We need, they need to pursue that. And they only pursue that ultimately in Christ and pursue that in a context of, of walking according to God's word. And so, uh, that's kind of where that, that evolved from. And, and as, as you look through the rest of my book and as you, people who know me, I like, uh, to use the same letter a lot in my sermons and teaching. And so pursuing, there's a lot of P's throughout the entire book. So <laughs> it works that way too. So, uh, that's kind of where it came from. Yeah. And Kurt, you said you like a little alliteration, didn't you? Kurt Cooper. Didn't oh, you well, yeah, always. I mean, alliteration is awesome. So I feel bad for you guys because John Parrot, John Quasney, not nearly <laughs> as fun to say. That's but <laughs> uh, I, I have a question. So you have we we in the introduction we said you have eight children, right? So you've got you've raised teenagers for I mean. Let's say if you have a 27-year-old and you've been raising teenagers for, I don't know, a d- more than a decade. Mm. And uh, how, when some, when you get ready to write a book like this, when you get ready to, how much of uh, your experience as a minister 
what percentage are you are you pulling from your experience as a minister and a church and a counselor? And then what percentage are you pulling it just like this is something that I wish that someone had told me when I was raising my teenagers, you know, or in the midst of it? Oh, I, I think uh, I think the first place I, I actually pull from is simply my own teens. You know, don't tell them that. But, you know, I, I was going through these problems like, OK, I, I, we have these problems in our home. Our teenagers have mm-hmm. had these problems. And yes, you know, to your point, Kurt, there was plenty of times that I was looking for resources and looking for help on how to deal with these specific areas. And so for my own needs in my own home. Uh, combined with uh, what I was seeing in my in the counseling office with parents coming and talking about each one of these issues. Yeah, I think it was it was very much equal parts of my own life and, and experience. And still today, I still have uh, four teenagers at home. So, you know, it's, yeah. it still goes on. And I, I even read back through the book uh, myself and like I, I we're still going through some of these problems and we still need help and wisdom in knowing how to address them biblically. And so. Yeah, I saw it. I see it from both perspectives. Yeah. Well, let me ask a let, can I ask a follow up question really quick, which is, um, yes, John, I can. Don't shake your head at me. <laughs> uh, which is, um, you know, in the book, I'm assuming some of our listeners have not read it yet. So, um, in the book, you go through all these different issues that might raise their head with a teenager. You know, from like. <coughs> Uh, a lack of motivation to, you know, suicidal thoughts to same-sex attraction to, you know, there's just all these different, you know, it's very practical in that regard. Um, let me ask you a question. I, um, I just thought of this, so it might be a bad question. I apologize. apologize if, we'll if just it edit is. it out if it is. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. It probably won't be, though, because, you know, just anyway. Keep, just keep going. Anyway, uh, is what about... What about John Quasney, the teenager? Um, how how much uh, how much when you think about these issues, how much does whatever you went through as a teenager feed into um, thinking about uh, you know the wisdom uh, that you wish you had, or that someone had spoken into your life, or someone did speak into your life when you were a teenager? Uh, you know, uh, I, I try to change names to, you know, say people's sure. reputation, but certainly <laughs> uh, you could see John Quasney, the teenager in, in several of these chapters. I think uh, it, my own life as well as, uh, you know, the context I grew up with, it uh, grew up in, I mean, I grew up in a pretty much a very uh, Christian setting. I was always in Christian school, uh, from elementary <laughs> to high school to even college and graduate school and seminary, always in a Christian environment. And yet all of these problems were present then too, you know, they, mm-hmm. they're not just new modern teenage problems. And so, yeah, looking back, it's been a long time. I'm 52 years old, but, uh, I can still very vividly remember my own experiences, my own struggles that, you know, really longing to have some of this. And, and quite honestly, growing up with Christian parents, I had some good counsel from my own parents and had good pastors and youth pastors in my life who spoke to things. And especially, more so probably when I got into college, uh, which as much as we talk about this for, for teenagers, we shouldn't just be thinking of high schoolers or junior hires, but also our, our young college students too, experiencing many of these, these issues. So, so yeah, you can, uh, you can see my own experiences or I can see my own experiences sprinkled through here as well. Yeah, John, uh, something you just said, talking about 
uh, your parents giving you some some good counsel? That, that's a question I wanted to ask that, that I know you, you mentioned in the introduction to this book, because I'm assuming there's some people who are listening, maybe some parents out there thinking, you know, I, I don't, I can't counsel my own children or my children don't want to receive counsel from me as their, their parent. Um, maybe just speak to that a little bit. Again, I know you, you touch on this in the introduction a little bit of uh, maybe speaking to those parents out there who are somewhat reluctant or feel ill-equipped. Um, what, what's some encouragement you would give those parents to, to counsel their, their teens? Yeah, I, I think uh, when when uh, I was writing this book and thinking from my own perspective, but also hearing a lot of parents, yeah, you you hear that a lot. You hear either I'm not a counselor, I'm ill-equipped uh, to to offer good counsel to my children. You also hear the other side; uh, they won't listen to me anyway. So what's the point? But I also think you know a third component is unfortunately in our modern world we're more in, inclined as parents to offload pretty much all of our responsibilities, quite honestly, if we can, if someone else will do it, someone else will teach our kids, disciples, our kids, you know, mentor our kids, counsel our kids. We want that person. Um, but the, the reality is your kids do listen to you. You know, I think that's where I start with parents. They do listen to you. They do want to hear from you. Uh, there's even research out there over the years that have said that even in the teenage years, our teens still look for advice from their parents. Now, they might not act like that when you talk to them, and it might be pushback. There might be eye rolling. There might be that you think they're tuning you out and just sticking the earbuds in the ears and walking away. And yet, really, they love you, want to be loved by you. They look up to you. They know inside, deep inside them, that you do have wisdom and experience to share, and they want to hear from you. And so, parents who just look at the reaction of their teenagers will certainly be discouraged. will certainly walk away and like, uh, I need someone else that can really get to them. Like, no, you, you'll get to them. Be persistent. That's part of the encouragement. Keep talking, keep encouraging, keep saying some of the same things a thousand times, you know, is that they, they hear you over and over again. They, that will be messages of, I care, you know, but trying to simply refer them away, uh, quickly to somebody else, or not listening to them, not speaking to them about these issues, will communicate the opposite, right? That, that you really don't care, uh, you really don't love me, you really don't want to know me, you don't really want to know what I'm struggling with. Uh, and so, you know, as far as some of the, uh, you know, the, the specifics that parents just get blindsided with, you know, when a, when a parent tells me, I've never even heard of vaping, what is vaping? You know, you know, things that just come out of the blue to us that we really didn't experience back in our teenage days. Yeah. You need to get a little educated about that. Um, but again, deep down, your child wants to hear from you. You need to talk to your child. Uh, they've, God has given them to you for a reason. You love them. You understand them. You have the background, you have the context, use it, uh, the best you can and go from there. Hmm. Yeah. I, I do have a follow-up Kurt, unless you wanted to jump in on something. Yeah. And, and John, I know we're going to break before too long and get into some more of the specifics of the book on, on Thursday, but, uh, your, your book is broken into two parts and maybe getting you to explain part one a little bit, because I think in there, 
there is some of that equipping that you give to the parents and to the youth worker. Again, those sitting out there listening, thinking, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin. That's really kind of part one of your book, giving them a foundation. So maybe just explain part one, talk about that a little bit, and then it might be time for us to break and we'll get into uh, some more specifics on Thursday. Yeah, I think the temptation when you pick up this book is just to jump to part two uh, and use it kind of as a reference book and just pick a problem that's going on right now and, and read that chapter. And you can certainly read it that way. But I really do think part one is the most essential part of the entire book. And that is because, you know, none of us as people uh, are just naturally inclined to be counselors in that sense. It's why we do train people and teach people about what it means to talk and listen and to share wisdom. Now, every parent, again, in their own relationship with their kids are going to have ways of how they teach and how they talk and how they disciple and uh, how they have relationship, right? But just some of the foundational things of how to give good biblical counsel to your teenager is is essential. And so, you know, I, I wrap that up in this first part. You know, there's really three parts to me uh, in this, in this first part. And the, the first part is just teaching parents basic biblical counseling presuppositions. In, in other words, what's, what is biblical counseling? What, what is, uh, you know, what is offering counseling that is true to scripture and that offers the right view of God, the right view of the person, the right view of a problem and right view of solutions, those four components. And so teaching them to have the right presuppositional base, the right foundational thinking is essential. But then the second part, second chapter is really about process. What does it mean to talk? What does it mean to listen? What does it mean to evaluate the situation and then respond with good counsel? That, again, is a, a counseling slash discipleship process that maybe after you read that chapter, you're like, oh, yeah, that's pretty obvious. But there are so many of us that beforehand, we're like, like you said, where do I even start? What, what, what does the conversation look like? Because really, any good biblical counseling process is simply a, a, a gospel conversation. How do we have a conversation about what's going on in your life in a way connected to Christ, connected to Scripture, and connected to solutions? And then the third uh, chapter of the first opening part, to me, really ties together the essential unity and connection of the parent with the youth worker or the parent with the church, uh, knowing that church and family need to come together to be on the same page to address these problems, and the beauty, if, if it happens, the beauty of the youth worker and the parent working together in the lives of students, lives of youth in these very difficult issues and knowing they need each other. And so all those three things are very foundational to even get started into the problem section. And so, yes, read the first section. Mm -hmm. Don't skip it. Yeah, no, that, that's that's good because as you say, when you open up, <clears throat> excuse me, the table of contents, and I mean, just looking at some of these, you know, anger and bitterness, anxiety, fear, worry, depression, drugs and alcohol, eating disorder, homosexuality, gender, pornography, and there's so many where you just want to. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and jump to chapter eight and deal with eating disorders. Um, yeah, there, there's that temptation, but like you say, to have that that important foundational understanding and work is is important. And I mean, in chapter three, as you're talking about partnering together in community, uh, I mean, really, that's on the local youth worker, those who listen to that podcast, this entire season is devoted to 
youth workers partnering with the parents, that it's a, a vital um, you know, partnership that, that we should seek as youth workers. And I think that chapter is very helpful uh, to just kind of foster that and getting parents to think like that and getting a church uh, to think like that. And so really, I mean, as we're saying this, this is obviously not just for youth workers, I mean, for, for parents, but then also just pastors, senior pastors, uh, assistant, whatever. I mean, people just need this to give them an understanding of how the church can come alongside uh, families uh, and help them with these difficult issues. Uh, so look, we're, we're about to break. John, Kurt, is there anything you want to add before we get into no, no. stuff for Thursday? No, no, I'm ready for Thursday. I'm ready to jump in. So I think it's a good breaking point. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, we'll get into some of these specific issues and then maybe talk about biblical counseling a little bit more uh, as well. So Kurt, John, good talking to y'all. Looking forward to Thursday. Thanks. Thanks for having me.